Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the team gets hit with COVID-19, putting six defenders on the reserve COVID-19 list. Plus, you'll hear from head coach Rich Passaccia as he met with the media on Monday. We'll talk about what we learned so far this season and what we should expect the final two weeks of the regular season. Plus, your calls and texts, they'll close out the show all here on this edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast for Tuesday, December 28th, 2021. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And Raider Nation, welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Your boy Q, you know you can always find me on Twitter, as many of you do, at your boy Q254. And if you ever want to chime in on the show, the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, always wide open like some old school TV antennas, 707-654-4693. Thank you so much for making the Lockdown Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. And before we get into anything Raiders related, I do want to thank everyone who uh, checked out the show that I did on Monday night with uh, Jason Fitz on ESPN National, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It was awesome. It was a fun experience. I think we had a really good show. And Jason Fitz is a member of Raider Nation. Of course, I'm a member of Raider Nation, so it was fun to do a show with him. And uh, I do appreciate everyone who reached out and said that they were listening. So thank you off the top for uh, doing that and showing the support. Again, I do really, really appreciate that. Now, that was the good. (laughs) That was the good from Monday, right? The bad? Well, coming off a big victory over the Denver Broncos, coming off a great defensive performance, uh, holding the Denver Broncos to 18 yards rushing. You're thinking, okay, got to have that defensive performance coming up this week against the Colts. And then here comes COVID-19. Boom, boom, boom. Comes rolling around the corner as it is done with so many teams this year, and the Raiders get hit with it. They place cornerback Casey Hayward, linebacker Corey Littleton, linebacker Patrick Owasu, linebacker Denzel Perriman, defensive tackle Darius Phylon, and linebacker K.J. Wright all on the reserve COVID-19 list. That's all on Monday. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to play on Sunday. They still have an opportunity since it is on Monday that they got put on the list. They have time where they can still test out because they only need one negative test as it's been reported. And this is just reported. I don't know for a fact, but it's been reported that the Raiders are 100% vaccinated. So if you're vaccinated, all you need is one negative test and you could test out and you could be available to play. So uh, hopefully in the Raiders case, they get some of those guys back because those are all big time players. Casey Hayward. Big timer. Corey Littleton. I mean, he's not a big timer, but he's still good depth that the Raiders are going to need. Awasu is more of a special teams guy, but special teams are important as well. Denzel Perryman, you know how big of an impact he is. I mean, him coming back against Denver the first time in uh, two weeks that he had been out there, uh, you could see the impact that Perryman made. Matter of fact, on Monday, I, I gave out game balls, and I didn't even give a game ball to Denzel Perryman. I really should have. He had a hell of an impact on that game on Sunday, and so uh, if he's not available to take on the Colts and, and Jonathan Taylor and that massive rushing attack and just the weapon that Taylor is. I mean, he catches the ball in the backfield as well, has well over 1,800 yards from scrimmage so far this season. So Denzel Perriman is definitely going to be needed. Defensive tackle Darius Phylon. I had a couple people hit me up and say you should have gave him a game ball. He did some really good things on, on Sunday, so he's on the COVID-19 list. And then uh, the veteran linebacker K.J. Wright, the guy that is really there for the leadership and a guy who's been uh, you know playing a, a pretty big role as of late. He's on the list as well. So those are all big-time players on the defensive side of things. Now, the Raiders are not the only team. Matter of fact, 
On Monday, across the NFL, there was 96 positive COVID-19 tests. 96, and 106 guys actually placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. So it's hitting every single team fast and furious. Over 500 guys have been uh, put on the COVID-19 reserve list in the month of December. Think about that. I got to take a pause for the cause. Think about that. Over 500 guys in the month of December have been on the COVID-19 list. In 2020, from beginning to the season to the Super Bowl, there was only 400, I think 424 guys on the COVID-19 list. That was the whole season, including the playoffs. In the month of December, there's been over 500 guys. That is a boatload. Now, the Colts, who are the next opponents for the Raiders, they're dealing with it as well. They placed multiple guys on the list on Monday. They put uh, safety Jaleel Adai, cornerback TJ Carey, who used to be a Raider, linebacker Malik Jefferson, running back Marlon Mack, and tackle Braden Smith on the reserve COVID-19 list. And then they have a bunch of guys that are out. Matter of fact, as of right now, not saying this is what it's going to be on Sunday, but right now their entire offensive line is out. Eric Fisher, he's injured. Quentin Nelson, he's on the COVID-19 list. Ryan Kelly, he's dealing with personal issues. Mark Lewinsky, reserve COVID-19. Braden Smith, reserve COVID-19. So as much as the Raiders are in trouble, as far as the defensive guys go that I mentioned earlier in the show, the Colts and their offensive line, that's major. That really is a major situation. And oh, don't forget this. Carson Wentz, the quarterback, he's unvaccinated. Can you imagine if he tests positive some point this week, and I'm not rooting for that. I don't root for anybody to test positive, and I don't root for anyone to get injured. But can you imagine what can happen if the starting quarterback of the team ends up on the COVID-19 list, and he is unvaccinated? So that means that he won't make it back if he ends up on the list before Sunday because he has to be out. Well, it was 10 days. Now it looks like they're going to switch it up to five days. I mean, they're kind of moving the goalposts. They're doing a lot of different moving and shaking because I really don't think anyone has any idea of what is really needed to do. But that would be all bad for the Colts if Carson Wentz goes out. Again, not rooting for that. I never would root for that, but it's something to pay attention to. So uh, that's the update on the COVID-19 issues with the Raiders and the Colts. Uh, Week 17 action should be pretty interesting. Now, I wanted to get to a couple sound bites from Rich Versace and his media session that he had on Monday did it by way of Zoom and my dumb self I was actually headed to the Raiders facility because that's what it always is on Mondays and Fridays and those are really the days that I can attend because of my schedule and I'm halfway to the facility I drove from Vegas to Henderson which isn't very far but still I'm about halfway to the facility and I realized oh you big dummy the, the media sessions by way of Zoom. So, you know, if you're halfway there, you either turn around and go back to the radio station or you just keep driving. And so I kept driving and just came to the house, covered the media session, then uh, jumped back into the car, headed over to the Oyo Hotel and Casino, the Underground Lounge. just where I do my radio show each and every Monday in preparation for Monday night football. But, uh, yeah, that's what it is. It's going to be Zoom calls for the media sessions the rest of the week for sure. Uh, they're not going to have anybody at the facility uh, as close to these coaches and, and players as possible. Matter of fact, even after the game on on Sunday uh, when we were in the media session we were in the media room uh, I think Derek Carr even mentioned like did they push you guys back they actually pushed the chairs and everything back a little bit further so we are farther away from the players and the coaches they're just again trying to be as careful as possible and you really can't blame them with everything that's going on across the league so Rich Basaccia he did meet with the media on Monday wanted to play a few sound bites and I think health is probably the most important thing right Darren Waller obviously he's been out for a few weeks now uh, Rich Basaccia last week sounded Sounded like he was getting a little bit better. He went from, you know, being out officially to being uh, doubtful. And so that was kind of a sign that he was starting to get a little bit better. So Rich Basaccia was asked about Darren Waller and is he continuing to progress? Well, the update on Waller is uh, I think it was a pretty good day today uh, from talking to those guys and, and from Darren. And so 
we're optimistic that he can be in practice on, on Wednesday's walkthrough. If he can be in practice on Wednesday's walkthrough, then I think when I, when I meet with you guys again on Friday, we'll have a much better report. If he's not ready to go by Wednesday's walkthrough, but he can get through Thursday, then I, I think at this point, because he's missed so much time, I think we'd love to have two to three days of practice with him so he feels good about his ability to go in and compete, and we feel good about his ability to help us and compete. I think we've We've kept him up to breast to this particular point going into last week's game, but I think now he'll have to kind of get himself to where he can practice and run around and run some routes and get some timing with Derek and be in position to get his body um, in the right position so he feels comfortable, I think, as well as us feeling comfortable on offense that, that he can help us. So I think I'll have a little bit more hopefully after Wednesday, and hopefully it's, it's positive. So there is Rich Passaccia right there talking about Darren Waller and is he progressing, getting a little bit better. And for me, my point of view, it sounded like it's really up to Darren Waller. Uh, what Rich Passaccia did say is that he's got to get out there and practice a little bit. He can't just go throughout the rest of the week and try to do some conditioning and try to do some work to the side and think he's going to be able to go play on Sunday. He's going to have to get out there at some point in practice, and that's going to be up to Darren. There's only two games left in the season. Is he going to be comfortable enough to get out there? That's at least what I got from there, but we'll see. Like you mentioned, hopefully he'll have some news after Wednesday's practice, and hopefully it'll be good. So that'll be the next time that we get an opportunity to talk to Rich Basaccia and get an update on Darren Waller. So how about the health of Derek Carr? You know, it sounded like he just got a little bit of a chest injury on Sunday. That's what was talked about on uh, after the game in the in the media session Derek Carr said he was a little bit banged up so here's Rich Versace on Monday talking about the health of Derek Carr where it's at well yeah what I what I got from Chris today is I think he had um he didn't cough he, when he was coughed he felt like he was bothering a little bit so what they ended up finding out was a rib and uh as of today he he's been fine you know he's been cleared to practice and and all those things so it, I know it came out as a chest contusion early I think from talking to those guys today it's a little bit more of a rib um, got banged in the rib and kind of he felt like he struggled to cough a little bit and so we told him not to cough and uh, hopefully he'll um, he'll be better as we go but as of right now he, he's good to go. I love it when Rich Bisaccia tries to make a little joke because he gets a little laugh or a little giggle or whatever like that. puts a little bit of a smile. Rich Bisaccia is not a guy who smiles a whole lot. <laughs> he doesn't, but uh, I like when he does a little, hey, uh, we told him not to cough, and then kind of laughs at his own joke. And uh, So Derek Carr has a rib injury, and that's something that, well, he's just going to have to have it the next two games. I mean, that's bottom line what it's going to be now. I guess if they go out there and lose to Indianapolis, maybe he can make a decision not to go out there and play. Uh, the final game of the season, but I, I couldn't imagine that's what Derek Carr is going to do. I'm imagine that he's going to be ready to go, and you know they'll they'll put a little bit of those uh, jackets around his ribs to protect him during the game, so he will be okay. Uh, I think it's just going to be that. It's going to be a little bit of pain tolerance he's going to have to deal with, but I think he'll be just fine. So uh, don't expect anyone under center on Sunday except for Derek Carr. The final soundbite I want to play for you and final thought I have for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast is about Denzel Perryman, who currently, as I mentioned, is on the COVID-19 reserve list. But, man, what an impact he had on Sunday. So here's Rich Basaccia talking about the return of Perryman to the lineup. What a difference he makes. Well, yeah, Denzel is just, a, you know, he's the ever-ready bunny. He's that great, you know, great presence on the field about him when he's in there calling the defenses for us. I think he gives us a great sense of confidence um, that it's going to all, everyone's going to line up right. If they don't, he'll get you lined up. And then he's a, he's a big tackler. You know, he makes a lot of plays. I think before he got his knickknack, he was either second or tied for the lead in tackles in the National Football League. Um, we're, we're excited to have him back, and, and hopefully it'll continue. I, I know he really prepares well. He prepared well these past two weeks when he, wasn't playing or didn't know if he was going to play. And you saw when he got in there that he didn't really have any issues lining up or getting everybody lined up and really gave us some energy out there. 
So there you go. You hear the high praises right there for Denzel Perriman, just the way that he plays, the approach that he goes to, even practicing, just what he does. And that's the one thing that I've seen from Denzel Perriman being around that guy. He is a guy who just loves ball. He's one of those guys that I can imagine that he probably will get into a room and say, hey, man, don't, don't you tell me what I need to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to ball out and I'm going to do this. I'm going to take this approach and practice. And he just he's just that kind of dude. You know, he just really takes his craft really, really seriously. And I can appreciate that. And then, of course, not only just the way that he plays, the style that he plays, he also gets the team all lined up. He gets them in the right position. He knows the reads. He knows Gus Bradley's defense. So he's a very big, important piece to that defense. So hopefully he's able to uh, clear and, uh, you know, test out of the COVID-19 protocols because they really could use him on Sunday versus the Indianapolis Colts. That's what I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, going to go over a few playoff scenarios of the results of Monday Night Football, the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints, and going to talk about what we learned about this season and what we should expect from the final two weeks of the regular season. That's all coming up in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about a couple playoff scenarios and also what we've learned about this season so far and what we should expect from the final two weeks of the regular season. And this is all based off the fact that Miami beat the Brakes off the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. Should not be a surprise. Ian Book got the start for the Saints. Uh, He was the fourth quarterback that they've used this season, and that was his first career start. He had a touchdown pass. He just threw it to the Miami Dolphins. You know, I mean, he just did not have a good showing. He was sacked eight times. Uh, That's just criminal. That's that's just, they did him dirty. But Miami won their seventh game in a row. Now, the thing about that is they also lost seven games in a row to start the season. And then they've won seven in a row now. And now are currently sitting in a really good position in the playoffs where they're in control of their own destiny. They're truly in control of their own destiny as they're sitting there at eight and seven on the season. It's real simple for Miami if they win. They are in. They're ahead of the Ravens, who are the eighth seed. The Chargers are the ninth seed, and the Raiders are the tenth seed. And they all have eight and seven records. So, yeah, there's a four-way tie between the Dolphins, Ravens, Chargers, and the Raiders for that last AFC playoff spot. But the Dolphins, they get the nod because they own the tiebreaker over the Ravens, who own the tiebreaker over the Chargers, who hold the tiebreaker over the Raiders. The Raiders beat the Dolphins and Ravens earlier this year, but they're still behind them because the Chargers are in the way. They're that roadblock. And so that's why that game at the end of the season, as long as they beat the Colts on Sunday, is going to weigh so heavy. But the Raiders still need Miami to lose a game between now and then because they'd own the tiebreaker again. So Miami, again, is in total, complete control of their own destiny. So what exactly does that mean? And what does that mean about what we've learned this regular season so far? Well, learn to expect the unexpected. I mean, that's as simple as it is. You know, every single one of those teams that I've talked about, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Chargers, they have all had really good wins this season. And they've all had really bad losses as well. That's the thing about it. Even if you go through the whole list, not just the teams that are fighting for that last playoff spot, but I mean, think about it. The Tennessee Titans, they lost to the Jets. The Bengals, they've had bad losses. They lost to the Jets. The Bills, they lost to the Jaguars. I mean, there's teams that have lost to teams, and you're thinking, how in the hell did that happen? And that's just kind of the nature of what this season has been. This season has been one of these crazy, where nobody is elite Nobody is separating themselves, and really, when they say on any given Sunday, any given Monday, even any given Thursday, they literally mean that. Any one of these teams could suit up 
and win a game. There's a lot of seasons where you look at a team and you go through the schedule and you say, okay, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win, based off what we know. And we all do that. We did it at the beginning of the season uh, for the Raiders. You know, I know I did it on the podcast, went through it as soon as the schedule went out, said, okay, this is what the Raiders should do, this is what they shouldn't do. And it just doesn't play out that way, and it didn't play out that way this season. I mean, you could look at the Raiders' schedule and say, okay, that should have been a win. I can go back to that Chicago game. Should have won that one, in my opinion. The Giants game, following the bye week, there's really no excuse why they came off a bye. They had a week of rest with a lot in front of them, sitting there at 5-2, and two, came off that bye week and wasn't able to win. And I know the Henry Ruggs situation happened, but if you're just talking about play on the field, they just weren't able to get it done against the Giants. I mean, there's just games that you look at. The Washington football team, if you want to excuse the Giants' loss, but then you look at the Washington football team and so say, there's no way that the Washington football team should have won that game. But they did, you know, and it's just – It's happened so much for many teams, not just the Raiders, but so many teams this season. So, you know, all of a sudden you look at uh, the Raiders coming off the win against the Denver Broncos. Oh, that's another team. How about them? I know that they're not in the mix anymore after losing to the Raiders on, on Sunday, but think about them. They traded Von Miller, their best defensive player, and then they go to Dallas and beat the brakes off the Cowboys. You know, and I've said this about the Raiders this season. All the games that they've won have been against teams that are in the mix. It's not like they're beating up on slouches. They're not beating up on teams that aren't very good and, oh, well, they're just supposed to win that game. No, they're beating up on teams. I I say beating up. They're winning games against teams that are good. And in the mix, hell, the Cowboys just won the NFC East. (laughs) You know what I mean? And and that was a big-time win right there for the Raiders on Thanksgiving in Dallas. That happened on their turf. You know, they, they, they beat Baltimore the first game of the season, traveled to Pittsburgh and won that game, returned to Allegiant Stadium, beat Miami. All these teams we're talking about are in the mix. And even the Steelers, you can say, yeah, but Q, the Steelers don't look very good. Look at Big Ben. I get it. But they're still technically in the mix. Technically. I mean, they're still 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. They're in 11th spot. They're right behind the, the Raiders. But they're still in the mix. You know, went to Cleveland. And I know Cleveland was covid COVID beat up. You know, they were dealing with a lot of COVID uh, guys out, but they still won that game against the Browns. I mean, that's just what they've done this season. They've won games against teams that are in the mix. And I'll say this, the Cincinnati Bengal game, I know that the Bengals at the end of the game really kind of ran away with it and, and put the, the, the hammer down on the Raiders. I don't think that the Raiders should have lost that game because they weren't very impressive until late in the game when with just the, the wheels fell off for the Raiders. But, I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I get that. But my point is, there's been so much unexpected this year that you just look at and wonder how in the hell, as someone who watches football for a very long time, and I like to think that uh, Raider Nation has a very sharp mind as far as who's a good team and who's not a good team. I mean, there's a surprise each and every week. I look at the, I go through the, the schedule and I pick the winners. I do it on my radio show each and every week. My, myself and Demond, we go through and we do a little pick 'em contest. And, you know, there was a few weeks where it's like, oh, Q, you're 13-3 and three, or you're 12-4 and four, or whatever. And then there's weeks where it's like, you're 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> You know what I mean? You're 9-5 you're and five, or whatever the case may be. You know, you're, you're not really doing that well this week because there's always surprises. So with that being said, the final two weeks of the season, you look at the Raiders going to Indianapolis. You look at all the, the guys that are on the COVID-19 list. And, and I know myself, when I saw all the defensive players on Monday, as soon as I got the news, I thought, oh, great. Just what the Raiders need. You know, they have a great defensive performance against the, the Denver Broncos, and now all of a sudden they're going to get hit with COVID, and they're not going to have half their defense, and the Colts are going to run them right out the, out the building. And that's my initial reaction. But because of everything that I've said in this segment, makes me realize that it really 
I mean, who knows? Who knows who the Colts are going to have out there? Who knows what kind of performance they're going to put in? Who knows how the Raiders are going to go out there and perform? You just don't know. I mean, that's the, the gift and the curse of this year. The gift is there's a lot of teams still in the mix right now. I mean, really, you can make an argument for teams 1 through one through 11. Let's just say that, 1 through 11 in the AFC. And when's the last time you were able to say that? At the end of December. That's nuts to me. But with that being said, you just don't know who's really a good team or who's just a team that's finding ways to win. Even Miami. I mean, look at Miami Dolphins. Again, I'm never, never going to get mad, and I'm never going to discredit a team for their wins. I won't because, I mean, it's hard to win in the NFL, no doubt about it. But think about their win streak when it started. They beat the Texans. They beat the Ravens, so they beat Lamar Jackson. They beat the Jets. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Giants. They beat the Jets again, and they beat the breaks off the Saints on their fourth quarterback. So they beat teams that, like I said at the beginning of the season, you beat teams that you're supposed to win, and then you hope for the 50-50s. The 50-50s weren't very good. The Bills, loss. Raiders, loss. Colts, loss. Buccaneers, loss. You know, Bills, again, lost. Teams that are really good teams or you think are really good teams, they lost to. Now, they did beat the Patriots the first game of the season, but Mac Jones was still trying to figure things out. So I can make an argument and say a bunch of ifs and buts and, and, and really poke holes in the resume of the Dolphins, but bottom line is you're 8-7, and seven, you've won seven in a row, and you control your own destiny. So they're two wins away from going to the playoffs, and they have questions at quarterback. They don't even know if two is the guy long term. You know, so they're finding ways to get it done. But again, you just don't know how everything shakes out. The Dolphins, just if you're keeping record, the two teams they have to play to end the season, the Titans and the Patriots, who, by the way, the Titans are finding ways to win with no Derrick Henry. No Derrick Henry, and they're still finding ways to win games. So that, that's what I'm saying. Like, you just, it's so bizarre this whole season and just how everything is shaking out and, and who's a really good team. Uh, I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs, I know nobody in, in, in Raider Nation wants to hear it, but I feel like that they're probably the best team in the AFC because their defense is cooking and you know that offense could come to play at any time. You know, so, I mean, it's just, it's so unknown. It's such a big mystery that you have to feel like any given Sunday, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but any given Sunday, any team has the opportunity. So I tell you all that to say that regardless of what COVID-19 does and how it affects the game, and it's going to affect the game for both teams, not just the Raiders, but the Colts as well, no matter how it affects the teams, there's going to be a good chance that the Raiders could win that game. And if they do win that game, then all of a sudden you're talking about a potential of going into the final game of the season at Allegiant Stadium against a division opponent in the Chargers that you lost to earlier in the season with a chance to win and get in. Now, again, you need the Miami Dolphins to lose one of those two games, but Tennessee and the New England Patriots are both really good teams, in my opinion, and they can, they can actually lose both of those games, in my opinion. That, that's the thing about it. They're cooking with grease right now, winners of seven straight, but what's the chances that they're going to finish the season winners of nine straight? That's, that's a very very difficult thing to do. It doesn't happen very often for a reason because the NFL is a dog and it's very tough to win games in the NFL and the Titans and and the Patriots will not be some easy rollover game and there really isn't too many easy rollover games this season at all. So that's all I got for you for segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts coming up in segment number three, 707-654-4693. That is the number. Before I get to it, though, I do want to tell you about our good friends at betonline.ag. And not only football is going on, but basketball is going on, pro and college. NHL is going to come back. Boxing, UFC, all the sports that you can imagine. Betonline.ag has got you covered there. Your number one spot for all sports 
all season long. Head to the website on your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On to get that bonus. That's right. Locked On is a promo code to receive a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and it's where the game starts. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. What is on your mind today? Let's start off with a text from Brent in Boston. He says, Q, Perriman was the best Mayock move by far. Hobbs was the best draft pick. Carr is average at best. Makes a bad play, then fakes an injury just in case the result is detrimental to the team. Miraculously recovers immediately to stay in the game. That is enough. That is not toughness. That is BS. Playoffs or not, I'm done with Carr. I bleed silver and black, but running out of blood, as always. Just win, baby, from Brenton, Boston. And thank you for the text, my man. I do appreciate you. And Perriman was a fantastic move. And I'll say this that if you give Mayock credit for that move with Perriman, you've got to give Gruden credit for that as well. And I know that a lot of people don't want to do that. Everything that's nice and shiny and really works, everyone's giving that to Mayock, and everything that sucks is on Gruden. But uh, as far as I know, until, until proven otherwise, uh, the moves that they made were pretty much together. So I think Perriman was a great move for the organization. I think Hobbs was a great draft pick for the organization. Carr... He could be average. He could be better than average. I think, personally, I think he's better than average. And I don't, by any means, and this is not a disrespect to you, but I do not think that he fakes any injury. I find it hard to believe that a player is out there faking an injury. I I get it that you might not like him, but... As far as faking an injury, I'm just not buying it. Uh, you heard Rich Bisaccia in segment number one talk about he has a rib injury. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you go out there and get hit by some of these players and some of these guys that are trying to uh, take your head off and, and see if you're going to be faking an injury or not. Uh, it didn't take me to get hit too many times by anybody to realize how uh, how violent that game is and how, how bad you feel after one game, let alone all these games that these guys are playing at the highest level. And please believe I didn't get anywhere close to that. So I I just I understand the frustrations. I'm sure they're always going to be there until Derek Carr wins the Super Bowl or uh, the Raiders move on from him and someone else is brought in and then the fan base will have someone to uh, either get excited about or someone to get upset about. I mean, it's going to be one of those scenarios. But uh, as far as faking an injury, I can't get on board with that. But I, I do appreciate the text, my man. Next up, got a call from Raider Eric in Vegas. He's calling to talk about the performance of the game and is looking at some of the numbers. Really breaks it down here. Here he is, Raider Eric in Vegas. Hugh, it's uh. Raider Eric in Vegas, man, what a freaking victory, man. I'm looking at these numbers, and I'm just like, this is, you know, I'm not going to say anything about Derek Carr, because Derek Carr, mm. but let's look at this. Time of possession, Raiders, 36 minutes to 23 minutes for the Broncos. Raiders only committed three penalties. Raiders actually turned the ball over three times, which was just amazing that, we had a minus three differential. Raiders ran for 160 yards, led by Josh Jacobs. Despite that horrible fumble, he had 129 yards, averaged 4.8 yards per rush, 27 carries. And then Peyton Barber with the 22 yards on five carries. Um, amazing. Um, the defense. Other than the, the, the fact that we gave them 10 points on the two turnovers, in the first half, I mean, we gave up like three points. We were on lockdown. I don't care if it was Drew Locke. I don't care about any of that. We held Denver's rushing offense 
whoever once said Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon were going to crush us to 18 yards rushing. 18. Go Raiders. I'm out. There he goes. That is Raider Eric in Vegas. Thank you so much for the call, my man. Appreciate that passion. And, yeah, that was a big deal. And I thought that the Broncos were going to go into that game on Sunday and run, run, and continue to run. And the Raiders said, nope, not going to happen today. And they stopped it. They shut it down. 18 yards. That's unheard of. It really is. And, I mean, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon were totally uh, ineffective. Melvin Gordon didn't even have a positive yard. He was negative four yards rushing. I mean, the Raiders' defense really came to play, and that's why it's a shame that so many guys are currently on that COVID-19 list because a lot of those guys helped contribute to stopping that run, and that's something that the Raiders are going to have to be on, on point with again this week against uh, Jonathan Taylor of the Colts. And, and, you know, the thing about it is what the Raiders are going to need to do is force Carson Wentz to beat them. That's the best case scenario, in my opinion, is force Carson Wentz to beat them. I don't think that he can. I think that he can, but I don't think he will. Let's put it like that. Uh, if if it comes down to Carson Wentz beating the Raiders, I've, I'll, I'll take my chances. You know what I mean? If that's how they're going to try to win that game, that's I, I think that that's a great recipe for a, a win for the Silver and Black. But they've got to be able to slow down and stop Jonathan Taylor at the point of attack. Now, I don't expect an 18-yard uh, performance or whatever, you know, shut him down to 18 yards. Again, that's unheard of. But they've got to put in a very uh, respectable defensive performance against Jonathan Taylor and make – Carson Wentz beat them. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from Jimmy S. in Houston. Q, another ugly win, but this one feels a bit different. Turnovers made it ugly, but without them, the Raiders thoroughly outplayed the Broncos. And I have to say, I was glad to see Jacobs get the opportunity to redeem himself by pounding the ball to close this one out. Take it one week at a time, but who knows? Maybe we'll be all pleasantly surprised if we just wait and see what happens as Jimmy S. in Houston. And hey, man, I'll tell you, I didn't think that the Raiders had a chance. Uh, when they went and played Kansas City in Kansas City, I said, hey, they lose that game, the season's pretty much a wrap. They're just going to be playing the final four games of their season, and they're going to be basically seeing what kind of talent, who they can move forward with, and who they, they can move on from. That's what I expected. That's what I thought. Well, they find a way to win two games in a row, and that's something that they got to do. And you really don't talk about the playoffs until you start winning about talking about winning streaks. They've won two in a row with two more to go. Not saying right now that, hey, yeah, no doubt about it, they're going to go do that because, as I mentioned in segment number two, you don't know what's going to happen in each and every game. So like you just said, hey, maybe we all will be pleasantly surprised if we just wait and see what happens. It very well easily could be that. And I'll tell you right now, I know a lot of people don't believe Allegiant Stadium will give you a home field advantage, give the Raiders a home field advantage, but I'm here to tell you, if it comes down to that final game of the season, win and get in between the Raiders and the Chargers, I promise you, that Allegiant Stadium is going to be humming. I really do. I'm, I'm so pumped up for that, but I can't get too pumped up for that because the Raiders have to handle their business in Indy this upcoming week. Next up, got a call from my guy, Raider X. He's calling to talk about and summarize the rest of the season for the Raiders and what they need to get done. Here he is, Raider X. Yo, Q, Raider X here. Just got to go over all this. We talked about this a few months back. You remember? We talked about 12 wins. 11 wins getting into the playoffs. We all agreed 11 would be the magic number. Looky here today. We are talking two more games. Right now, sitting at 8 and 7, they win two more games. All the craziness goes away. And two more games, playoffs. That's the P word. And I think there is a fire. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And that smoke is catching some wind. 
And you know what? When the autumn wind hits smoke, that makes fire, and we are blazing. I saw DJX have some fire. He went out there and had some giddy up in his step. Hit some boys right in the mouth after he was running, going for them yaks. Go get them. Love it. Congratulations to Hunter Renfro, too. Man, there we go. A new era. The Raiders are coming, brother. There he goes, a very fired up Raider X right there. And I'll say this, man, they got two games. They've got to win them both, but they also need Miami to lose. Uh, bottom line, Miami, the Dolphins still control their own destiny, so uh, they've got to go out there and play one game at a time like it's a playoff game. It's an elimination game each and every week, uh, but they still need Miami to lose a game, and that's just bottom line. But uh, they have a lot of opportunity. They really do, and the only thing they can do is, what, is control what they can control, and that is their effort, their attitude, and their preparation uh, availability, and that that's what they can do. And then hope that the chips fall where they may. Uh, at the end of the day, if they win out and they are at 10, 10 wins, sitting there at 10-7, and seven, and even if they miss the playoffs at 10-7, and seven, they can still feel good about what they've been through this season, how they finished this season, and how they turned it around when it looked like all hope was lost. That's what they can do, uh, even if they miss the playoffs. Now, of course, I don't want them to miss the playoffs. I want to see them in the playoffs, as everyone else wants to see them in the playoffs as well. But, man, if they finish the season at 10-7 and seven and, and somehow aren't able to make it in, it's still you got to tip your cap and say, job well done. Because, man, with everything that they've gone through this season, that's a hell of a way to, to finish things out close out at 10 wins, but you got to get to win number nine before you can get to win number 10. Uh, got time for one more text. We'll take it from Keegan in Vancouver, Washington. What up, Q? It's Keegan from Vancouver, Washington. I got to ask if I am crazy and not seeing enough tape or if you're seeing the same thing with Alex Leatherwood as I am. He has shown he has raw power that can blow guys off the ball or stonewall them in pass protection. The only thing that gets him in is his fundamentals and technique, which can be taught. If he cleans it up and be dominant guard like Nelson is in Indy, then that sounds like a great pick. Let me know what you think. Raiders. That's Keegan in Vancouver, Washington. And I'll say Alex Leatherwood is a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. And yeah, he does have uh, some technique issues, some fundamental issues, but those issues that he has also makes me feel like he's going to be a guard his whole career in the NFL. I don't think that his career is a tackle. Uh, I still think that it was a pick that was picked in a, in a bad position. I think he should have been picked in the second round, but I mean, regardless, if he turns out to be an all-pro and uh, consistently go to Pro Bowls or, you know, being considered one of the better guards in the league, fine. You'll live with that because it's a good player. So you'll take that, you know. And if he can help solidify that offensive line, then that's fine. But he does have a lot of work to do. And so uh, hopefully whatever happens with the regular season, he stays, you know, in the lab, continuing to work, continuing to grind, and continuing to try to get better. And that's, that's just what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to have the dedication to go and get that. But uh, I do think that... He's getting better as a player, but again, most of that comes from the run blocking, not really the pass protection. So we'll see what happens with uh, with Alex Leatherwood moving forward, but you've seen signs of him improving, and the whole offensive line the last few weeks has started to really play a lot better, again, in the run game and really open some holes up, and they did that on full display in, uh, in the second half of that game on Sunday. So that's all I got time for on today's show. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have more calls and texts straight off your Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, more news and notes of the day, and we'll start to turn the corner, start to turn the page on this week, put uh, the Denver game to bed, and start really focusing in 
on uh, the Indianapolis Colts, and maybe we'll get some more COVID-19 updates uh, throughout the day. Uh, but ever, whatever it is, we'll bring it to the show here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. So definitely appreciate you, Raider Nation, uh, representing all the time. And uh, anytime I'm out and about, I've had so many people. Matter of fact, so many people showed up at the OYO on Monday uh, for my radio show that I do on Raider Nation Radio 920. But everyone said, man, I listen to your podcast every day. And that's so awesome, no matter where I'm at, to hear that kind of comment, to know that the podcast is a, is an everyday part of your life is, is awesome. So uh, thank you so much for that. Thank you for making the Lockdown Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms. So until tomorrow, Raider Nation, stay safe. Do what you got to do. Take care of yourself. And when I say take care of yourself, really take care of yourself. Do the best you can. And uh, as always, just win, baby.